<laughs> Let me say again, good morning. <laughs> I miss you guys. I was not here last week. Uh, we are on the ninth aspect of our journey of the Ten Commandments. And I'm not sure what your feelings are with regards to that journey for the last eight weeks. But I think one of the things that we need to be reminded of is that God has given us the Ten Commandments for the purpose of guiding our lives. And that's why the title of our series would be The Rules for Living. But make no mistake that the Ten Commandments and all the other laws that God has given are not just for the purpose of pushing us into a rule-based faith. Christianity is not about morality. Well, yes, morality is part of that, but it goes beyond that. All the laws and the rules that God had given are for the purpose of pointing us to him. It is about our relationship with him. And it is in that context that we need to interpret all the Ten Commandments that God has given. But the question that I need to ask for us today would be this. Why the Ten Commandments, by the way? Have you not asked yourselves this question? Why only these ten? Have you, have you not thought of this fact? Because there are other laws. But why only ten? <laughs> There's not enough space. That's, that's a good answer. Well, I mean, we have the Bible, right? It's such, I, I, I think, rules for living that God has given us. But when you come to think about the Ten Commandments, there are ways that we need to interpret this on the basis of the broader purpose of God. Let us now look at the Ten Commandments. The first commandment says, you shall have no other gods before me. Second, do not, do not have any idols. Do not make any idols. Third, do not use the name of the Lord your God in vain. Fourth, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Fifth, honor your father and mother. Sixth, do not commit murder. Seventh, do not commit adultery. Eighth, do not steal. Ninth, do not bear false witness. And ten, do not covet. And so among all these Ten Commandments, you could actually group them into two. The first group, the first portion, the four laws, speak about God. And the second one, from the, from the fifth to the tenth, speaks about our relationship with other people. In fact, that is what we need to look at in terms of the, the right way of interpreting the Ten Commandments. It's not just about the, the exact specific rules that God has given, but the broader context of these two aspects of the law. In fact, come to think of it, as to the purpose of the laws and the Ten Commandments, we should not base it on what I've said as based on rules because that becomes a rule-based faith. We would become like the religious leaders during Jesus' time where they were just so focused on the rules to the point that they were just concerned with the letter of the law rather than the spirit of the law. 
And if we need to get an answer as to the reason why these ten, ten commandments are given emphasis by, by, by God, I think the answer there was given by Jesus in Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 to 40. It's such an interesting text because th- this, this was a portion where, where, the, where the religious leaders were asking Jesus from among these commandments, which is the greatest, which is the most important. And Jesus said, there are only two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. That's the greatest commandment. And the second is, love your neighbor as yourself. This, my friends, are the spirits of the law. This is the spirit of the law. It's about loving God and loving our neighbors. And it is in this context of loving our neighbors that we need to understand the ninth commandment. Do not bear false witness or do not give a false testimony. And from among the Ten Commandments, the ninth is a little bit queer and a little bit different and unique because of the fact that it is spoken and it is done in the context of the legal requirement. It is a formal legal Requirement: Do not bear false witness against your neighbor. It is done in the context of the court of law. The other commandments were not given in, the, in, in relation to that court of law as a legal requirement. But in this case, the ninth is something that has to be pointed out that this is about the court of law. That means one of the most beautiful things about the, the Ten Commandments is this, that that Ninth Commandment speaks about God's affirmation of human institutions to fulfill His purpose. And by human institutions, we are talking about the court of law. And in the broader context, when we apply that in the context right now, we are, spoke, we are speaking of other human institutions, the government, the laws that we have, all the other institutions that we have to make the world work and to make God's creation work. This is part of what we call as the cultural mandate of God, as spoken of in Genesis chapter 1, when God commanded man to take care of his creation. This is part of our responsibility. This is what we call as the cultural mandate. Whatever profession you are in, God uses that for his purpose. And that is why we need to be careful with the way we work, because in, with the way you work and the work that God has given you, God is using that for his purpose. Martin Luther King actually used a beautiful term in relation to how we use all our professions, and he used the term vocatio or vocation. You have to consider whatever work you have, whether you are a baker, you are a lawyer, you are a nurse, a, a doctor, whatever profession you are in, That is your vocation. That is how you are able to serve God. That is God's calling for you. Isn't that beautiful? And the ninth commandment reminds us of that. That the the court of law, the legal profession, is a human institution that is a vocation that is used by God to fulfill His purpose. And we will be dealing with the purpose of the ninth commandment later on. And so what does this mean then? What does the ninth commandment mean? If you would notice that in the olden times, the only way to prove innocence or guilt in the court of law 
would be through a witness. There, were, there, there was no CSI during the time, right? Crime scene investigation. There's no DNA testing. There are no other ways of proving innocence or guilt except for a witness. The witness is the evidence. The witness is the evidence. And so from that context alone, we could already see what God's purpose is for the ninth commandment. And what is that? In order to prove innocence or guilt, God requires justice. In order for us to understand the ninth commandment, we need to see it and understand that in the context of God's requirement for justice. We have spoken of this a long time, uh, uh, several months ago and several years ago, and I would like to reiterate this again, that God is a God of justice. That is his character. And everything that is spoken of in this world that speaks about justice reflects on the character of God. And a long time ago, we have defined also biblical justice. And biblical justice is based on a moral attribute or moral absolute that is based on the character of God. Justice is not just about morality. Justice is not just about what is right or what is wrong. Justice reflects on the character of God or who he is. And the moment you give a false testimony towards your neighbor, then you have committed injustice not only towards that person, but towards the character of God. Let me repeat this. The moment you testify falsely against your neighbor, lying against your neighbor, you are not just, you are actually committing injustice towards that person, and you are actually assailing the character of God. Because the moment you, you, you make a false testimony, you are making an innocent person become guilty. And God is totally against that. How is it possible for you to assail the character of God by assailing also the character of the person? This is how we need to understand the, tenth, the ninth commandment that it is based on the character of God. And we have to be clear about the fact that the ninth commandment is not just about the fulfillment of what is right or what is wrong. It is about the fulfillment of the nature and the character of God as a God of justice. And that's why there's another relative law that was given by God in relation to testifying. And we could find that in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 19, verses 15 to 21. And I'd like, if you have your Bible, sometimes it's, it's, it's wonderful to, to use your physical Bible. And open that with me in, uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 19, verses 15 to 21. And let's read this fully. Because this is important, according to how we need to interpret the ninth commandment. And God says... One witness is not enough to convict a man accused of any crime or offense. So in this text alone, God says that there should be two or three more witnesses because it's not enough to have one. For he may have committed. A matter must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. 
If a malicious witness takes the stand to accuse a man of a crime, the two men involved in the dispute must stand in the presence of the Lord before the priests and judges who are in the office at the time. The judges must make a thorough investigation, and if the witness proves to be a liar, giving false testimony against his brother, then do to him as he intended to do to his brother. You must purge the evil from among you. The rest of the people will hear of this and be afraid, and never again will such an evil thing be done among you. Show no pity. Life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. Let me emphasize the fact that it's important not to give a false testimony against that person because that makes a, an innocent person become guilty. And that's why God requires two or three more witnesses to ensure that the truth is being spoken. What does this mean then? It means that God is really serious about justice or injustice. That God is serious about justice or injustice. Second, this context that we have just spoken of in Deuteronomy chapter 19 is what we call as the lex talionis, or what we call as the law of retaliation. Or another term for that would be retributive justice or compensatory justice. In that aspect of the law that God has given, it is not about vengeance, it is not about revenge, it is about justice. That means that while God was concerned about justice and very serious about justice or injustice, he is also concerned about the fact that the penalty should be commensurate with the crime. It should not go more than that. If life was taken, then only life was, would be taken. If only a foot was taken, then only a foot would be paid also in relation to the crime. The penalty of the crime should be commensurate with that crime. Not more than that. It is not about vengeance. It is not about retaliation. It is about justice. God is really concerned about justice. And we need to live that with the way that he spoke of towards our neighbors. Secondly, God is concerned about truth. God requires truth. He is not only concerned and he is not, he is not only requiring justice. He is also requiring truth. Justice is predicated on truth. Without truth, there is no justice. Justice is predicated on truth. Without truth, there is no justice. And so God is calling his community and his faith community and his covenant community to be truth-tellers. The ninth commandment requires us and commands us to speak of being truth-tellers, not liars, not slanderers, not to destroy the lives of your neighbors. But in the context of the Christian covenant, we need to look at also with the way that we speak truth. That while God commands us to speak of truth, there are times that we need also to show love and care to those whom we are speaking truth. 
I remember the words of uh, Chris Hodges, Pastor Chris Hodges said, truth without grace is mean. Truth without grace is mean. But grace without truth is meaningless. If you are speaking the truth without love and without care, particularly towards among people within the covenant community, then you are failing God also because He requires of us to show love. Of course, there are instances in our community and in our Christian lives where we really have to condemn what is wrong and be truthful, frankly, and condemn. When we see a child who is being abused, then of course we need to condemn and be strong about that. When we see a poor being oppressed, then definitely we have to be strong with the way that we condemn injustice. But when we spoke of truth towards each other in his covenant community, then God commands of us to show love, to show care. Truth without grace is mean. When I tell you, for example, you are such a sinner, it's as if that I am not a sinner myself. So get out of this building. There's no love to that. There's no grace to that. But if I tell you, okay, you have sinned, okay, okay, let it go, just continue sinning, that might be grace, but there's no truth to that. Because we need to tell the person who has committed sin that he had committed what is wrong before God. Grace without truth is meaningless. But God requires of us to be truth-tellers. That in every way and everything that we do, we need always to speak of truth. Because that is where justice is based. But the Ninth Commandment does not only speak of the courtroom situations. Because I know that there are so many instances in our lives that we could not even be, testimo- uh, be giving testimonies against other people in the court of law. It might just be that in the context of our community, we just need to speak what is the truth. And that's why we need to transpose of this from the courtroom to the community. And how do we apply the Ninth Commandment? Definitely, God requires of us to act justly in everything that we do in our lives. Micah chapter 6 verse 8 reminds us, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. What does the Lord require of you but to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly before the Lord? That is the way that God is calling us today. That in everything that we do, we need to speak of justice and we need to do justice. When you have sin and injustice being committed, then you act on it. And there are so many instances that we could do that in our lives and with the way that we live. You could not just be silent against poverty. You could not just be silent against homelessness. You could not just be silent against domestic violence. You could not just be silent against every oppression that is taking place in this world. Because as Christians, we need to speak the truth, even speaking truth to power. Act justly. 
that is the commandment, and it might be difficult to hear, and it might be difficult to listen to because of the fact that that is such a difficult thing to do, to be getting out of your own comfort zones and do acts of justice, and even putting your lives at risk. But that is the cost of discipleship. When you become, when you become complacent as Christians, then what, what good is your faith? When we sit in our pews and then suddenly we see something wrong that's outside in our community and then we just do anything that we want to do because we, we don't want to get out of our comfort zones, then we have not committed to true discipleship. Christianity requires us to act. And Christianity requires us to act justly. And secondly, the way that we apply the ninth commandment would be in terms of living lovingly. To act in a loving way. That while we see injustice that's taking place, every day we need to look at the ways that we need to love our neighbors. We are put in a situation and we are put in a context and we are put in a place where God is calling us. Your neighborhood is the place where God is calling you. Wherever you are, God is calling you to be his witnesses for justice, for truth, for grace, and for love. If there are so many things that your community needs, then do that, because that is an act of loving. And you might say, this is a secular work. That's not the case because everything that happens in this world is under God's care and under God's requirement. When you see a neighbor who is in need, then you have to do something. When you see an, an immigrant or an international student or someone who is new to the city or new to the country and requires you to walk with that person, then do so because that is an act of love towards that person. There are so many ways that we could do that as we live our Christian faith. And God is calling us to live true discipleship by acting in justice and by acting in love. But one of the ways that we need to show love towards our neighbors would be not to destroy their reputations. And that is also one of the spirits of the, of the Ninth Commandment. When we lie against our neighbors, when we slander, and when we gossip, then we are not loving our neighbors and we have committed injustice as well because we are destroying the reputations of others, particularly our neighbors. There are so many ways that we could express and show love and manifest the ninth commandment in simple ways, in beautiful ways that show that we love our neighbors. We have to be careful with the way we act in our neighborhood and in our community because we are actually testimonies of Christ in that community. And if we are the purveyors of slander and gossip, then how could people know Christ and come to Christ? You know, it's, it's just so easy to talk about things that we feel is good to talk about. That's why gossip exists. 
But St. Augustine once said that the tongue inflicts more wounds than the sword. The tongue inflicts more wounds than the sword. Be careful with the way we speak. Be careful with the way that the words are being spoken all from our mouths. Because it could destroy or it could build. We need to be careful with the way we live. And so my friends, as we reflect on the ninth commandment today, let us do two things. What God requires of us. God requires justice. And second, God requires truth. This is the way that we live the ninth commandment. Let me leave to you the words in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25. And this is such a wonderful reminder for each one of us. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let us speak of truth with our neighbors. For we are members one of another. Having put away falsehood, these are the areas in our lives that we need to remove. If there are things that make you superficial with the way you live your Christian life, then remove that. Because that's a life of falsehood. When you have that tendency to speak of lies and gossips and slander against your neighbors, then that is falsehood and God commands us to remove all of those things. That as we remove all that thing of falsehood in our lives, then we need to speak truth with our neighbors because we are members one of another. The reflection that I would be making today is not just speaking of in the context of what is just and what is truth. Let me, if you could just show this slide. It is easy to make assumptions against other people. Actually, we usually make stereotypes. And you know what a stereotype is? A general a general statement about a person, about a community, about a group of people, and then applying that to all of them. That's what we call a stereotyping. Assumptions are speaking of something that does not even have been proven yet, because those are just assumptions. Is it not that our tendency towards other people is like this? That we make assumptions or even stereotype people based on how we look at them, their skin color, the way they dress, the way they, they wear themselves. But in order for us to reflect on what truth and justice is, God requires us to dig deeper towards truth. And that's why the, the, the picture that I have shown to you is a picture of an iceberg. An iceberg has only two portions. There's that something that you could see, which is really a small portion of an iceberg, but the deeper aspect of reality is actually something that you could not see. It's hidden. If you want to do justice and if you want to love your neighbors, then do not just look at what is on the surface. Look at deeper. 
become a friend to your neighbor and know that person before making any judgments, before making any assumptions, before stereotyping a group of people, get to know them. And then you would learn that you are of one member and one family. What I would like you to do would be after this, try to find a way to get to know a neighbor. Not only the person sitting beside you. Oh, by the way, it's, it's a good thing as well. Because you might not even know the person sitting beside you as well. So why don't you take time later on after the worship service and get to know that person. Talk. Know the truth. Because deep down, that person might even be struggling and need to be ministered right now. That is the way you do justice. And that is the way that you love your neighbors. Amen.